it's it's easy to get a little like mixed up. Not like hugely mixed up, just a little mixed up. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I was captain of the football team, and so I'd go out there at midfield, and the ref would grab this coin in his hand, and what would what would he do with that coin? And that flip is called the what? The coin toss. Coin toss. It took years for me to say the two-word coin toss without saying toin toss. I'd be like, yeah, i got to go out there for the toin toss. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, what? what? And they're like, coin toss. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll be out there. I'm going to call heads. Unless you think I should call tails. No, no, you said toin toss. No, I didn't. And I did for years. The Bible is a book not about individual persons and their relationship with God. Think Abraham, Moses, Paul. It's not about individual persons and their relationship with God. The Bible is about the activity of God in relationship with persons. It may seem like semantics, but it's not. The order matters. When we open up God's word, we're not reading uh, stories about a bunch of heroes in the faith. We're not reading stories about godly men and women and the things they overcome by the might of God, by the power of God. We are reading stories about the activity of God and how he relates with individuals. The order matters. Not getting mixed up on that matters. It's about him. The focus is on God. The focus is on his activities. And that's not just when we're spending time in the word. We must always make our focus God. We must always make our focus what he's up to and his activities and not on us and our activities. And I'm telling you, friends, if we're not intentional about this, this is challenging because selfishness creeps up in really subtle ways. And we don't like to use selfishness because that's such an ugly word. But it's what it is. It's a, it's a focus on self. It's a self-centeredness. It's a, a self-attentiveness. When our focus is on God and what he's up to, amazing things happen. With this in mind, do you want to hear something that I think is pretty radical? I think this is ridiculously radical. God needs us. I know it doesn't sound right. And and I see some brows being furrowed. It's true. And there's only one reason I can say that. Because God chose to need us. He chose it. And it's an amazing expression of love. I know that we say all the time, God's ways are not our ways, and and God's love is so far beyond us, and this is one of those facets of God's love that is so far beyond us. He chose to need us. He chose to need us in doing his work. And he even chose to to be patient in the ways that he allows us to walk walk out the call and the things of God. 
God chooses to need us. And it's a bold move. Choosing me, that's a bold move. That's a bold strategy. Choosing you, that's a, that's a bold strategy. I don't know that that would be my first strategy. It was God's. We often pray for God's will to be done, right? I mean, it's part of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is this. That you and I are a vital part of his plan. We are. You and I are a vital part of his strategies, his activities. So much so that if we don't do what he asks, it may not get done and he might not get his will. Do we realize that? That every single day, a day for us, because God's not limited by time. And you know, When I say a day, I mean a human day. But every single, every single one of our human days, God doesn't get his will. You know how I can say that? Second Peter 3.9 says this. The Lord isn't really slow. He's not being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. We might know this as, you know, God's desire is that not one would perish, but that, that all would come to repentance. Do people die every day without knowing God and his salvation? Every day. Is it God's will that a single person would die without knowing his grace and his love and his salvation? No, that's not his will. His will is that all would know him. So that means God doesn't get his way all the time. So I want to share a quick story. Um, there was a woman that used to cut my hair. Let me step back. I used to have hair. I used to have hair. And when I had hair, there was a woman that cut my hair. And, um, and we, just, we developed this, this neat just type of relationship. She was an older woman, and she, she worked for a company. And then, but when she cut her hair... I'd go to her and her husband's house and she'd cut it in the kitchen in the kitchen uh, there and it was really cool and she'd charge me you know, way less. She's like, come do it this way. You know, I, I want to make sure that you pay less so don't come to the shop. You know, and when I schedule you, you know, you'll come to my house and, and if you haven't had dinner, we'll feed you dinner and, you know, and, and I'll cut your hair. It was really cool. Uh, we would talk about God and in talking with her about the Lord, um, she'd ask me questions. I'd answer. It was just a really cool relationship. Um, she had some very humanistic things that she was still holding on to, definitely some kind of worldly things. But when she talked about the Lord, she's like, oh, yeah, no, I, I believe in God. I love Jesus. So I'm convinced this woman knew the Lord um, despite any other flaws. But it was great just talking about God every time we were together. So there was one night, and we were living in Westminster. And it was 11 o'clock. And I just got this prompting that I really strongly suspected was the Lord. And the prompting was to call this woman. 
uh, and I'm, I, I don't even remember her name, but I remember at 11 o'clock, I'm like, I'm supposed to call her. And I didn't know what I was supposed to do, but that's not strange because most of the time when the Lord speaks to me, he just gives me step one. He doesn't give me step two or, you know, he's like, hey, go pray for Michelle. Okay, great, Lord. What do you want me to pray? Mark, go pray for Michelle. Okay, yes, Lord. And I get up and I go. And then when I'm there, he, he often will, most often, give me what to pray. So I had this prompting, call this woman. And I'm like, Lord, I don't even call my buddies at 11 o'clock. <laughs> like, Lord, that's just rude. That's inappropriate. I, I told the Lord that was inappropriate. So I didn't call. And I'm like, I'll call her tomorrow. I'll call her in the morning. So I did. I woke up, I called, no one answered, left a voicemail. Called back later in the afternoon, no one answered, left a voicemail. So the next day after that, I went to her shop where I knew she worked. And they're like, oh, Mark, I'm, I'm sorry to tell you she passed away. I'm like, when did she pass away? Well, she, she just peaceably passed away in her sleep. They, they think it was probably the middle of the night and it was on this night. It was middle of the morning, like three, four in the morning. It was three or four or five hours prior than when I was supposed to call. And that wrecked me. Because I knew it was the Lord. I actually tried to talk myself out of it being the Lord. But I knew, I knew in my gut, that's the Lord. Although it's, a little rude, and although the timing's a little inappropriate, I'm supposed to call her, and I didn't. Now, I said it before. I'm very certain this woman knew Jesus because the way she talked about him, there was love and there was knowledge, and she, she had a hunger for more of him, okay? So I don't know why the Lord wanted me to call for years. I beat myself up. I'm like, what if, what if I was supposed to lead her to the Lord? What if she didn't know you? And then there just came a point when the Lord's like, no, she knew me. This was for you. That, that moment of doubt was for me. I promise you this right now, friends. If I suspect it's God, I, no, I do. I act upon it. If I suspect it's God. Hey, Noah, I know it's one o'clock in the morning, man, and I... I'm sorry to be calling so late. Thank you for answering the phone. I'm calling because I just, I feel like the Lord wanted me to call you. And now that you're on the phone, actually, I feel like he's given me a word for you. And I know it's late. I know I apologize for that, but I just had to be obedient to the Lord. I would rather do that and risk Noah hanging up on me or yelling at me. Don't you know I got a baby? You rude sucker. What are you doing? I would rather do that then miss it being the Lord. See, I, I do a fair amount of foolish things. Like I'm a loud, boisterous guy. Put on a football game and I'll do a half dozen crazy foolish things before the coin toss. So if I'm willing to be a fool for the world, I'm certainly willing to be a fool for God. If I suspect it's God, I'm going to act in friends. We are called to do the same. So that night, God did not get his way that night. Here's what I suspect. I suspect he just, hey, would you just let her know I love her? Just, just would you say a quick prayer for her? 
apologize for calling at 11, but she's up anyway. And just tell her I love her. Would you tell her I love her and pray over her? I suspect that's what God wanted, but I didn't do it. And, and I no longer beat myself up over that because I'm thankful for the ways I've grown since then. Friends, I'm telling you right now, those times when, when fear grips us, like, what? I'm supposed to pray for her in the supermarket? I don't even know her, or better yet, I do know her. Our kids go to school together. She's going to call me a quack, just a, a nut. Do we want God to get his way or not? And I'm telling you right now, God getting his way is using you and I according to his plans and his purposes. God is always at work. The Bible reveals that God has always been at work. He's always been involved in the world. He has never been absent for any season or any era even in a time when there was silence, God was active. God was present. When we read scripture, we're reading the redemptive activity of God throughout history. We see that he chooses to take initiative with us. He chooses to take initiative with me, with you, with I, and include us in his plan. He chooses to work through us to accomplish his purposes. So let us refresh our Bible history memory. When God was ready to judge the world, he came to Noah. God was about to do something, and he was going to do it through Noah. And God did do it through Noah. When God was ready to build a nation for himself, he came to Abraham. God was going to accomplish his will, but he was going to accomplish his will through Abraham. When God heard the cry of the children of Israel and decided to deliver them, he appeared to Moses. God came to Moses because of God's own purposes and plans, but his purposes and plans were to use Moses to deliver Israel. This is true throughout the Old Testament. This is true throughout the New Testament. This is true in their lives. And this is true in our lives. When God's fullness of time had come to redeem a lost world through Jesus Christ, the Father gave 12 men to his Son to accomplish his purposes, to be raised up, to be trained, to be trailblazers, and to accomplish his will. Friends, when God's about to do something, he takes the initiative and he comes to an individual or he comes to a people. He comes to one or more of his servants and he lets him know or them know what he's up to, what he's doing, what he's about to do. And then this is key. And then God invites them to adjust their lives to him. Right? 
God says, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm up to. This is who I want to touch, to save, to heal. And then the invitation comes, will you adjust your life to my plan? Will you adjust your life to my will? Right? The invitation. The invitation. Friends, what has God invited you to? And have you said yes to the invitation? Are you fighting him on the invitation? Are you, are you doubting because you're waiting for some wondrous, miraculous, Hollywood-esque sign instead of taking that leap of faith and trusting the Lord and saying, Lord, I believe this is you. Okay, what's next, Lord? Okay, I see what you're up to. Okay. Friends, when we see what God is up to, that is our invitation. When, he, when the Holy Spirit gives us the revelation of what God is up to, that's our invitation. When you see that hurting, broken family, that's your invitation to be a part of what God's doing. When you hear about what the Lord uh, is doing at, at the middle school or at the high school, so that some of those would, would come to know him. That's your invitation to be a part. Now, why do we wait for someone else to do it in hopes that we can then just kind of link arms with them? Why do we not show courage and faith to say, Lord, here I am, send me. The people God chose, the people he used in Scripture, they were just people, flawed some of them really flawed. Some of them not special at all. Not, not until they said yes to the invitation. Maybe you haven't gotten this invitation yet, but maybe you have. If you haven't gotten it, it's coming, sister. It's coming, brother. You're going to see it, and you're going to be faced with that. Will you respond to what the Lord wants you to do to to join him. But if you have gotten it and you haven't responded, what are you waiting on? God has chosen to need you. It's crazy to me. Little old you, little old me. He has chosen to need you. That's why he needs you. Because God chose this to be part of his will. We get to reflect him. We get to represent him. We get to be his hands and his feet and we get to do his work and we get to tell people about him and we get to demonstrate who we are as a result of a life in Christ. I want to drive this point home so I'm going to be redundant, even if it's painfully redundant. Um, Let's say... God wants um, Mike to be encouraged and just uplifted in some way. So he, this day, this Sunday, let's say he's like, I want to speak to Mike. I want to let him know, boom, 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 and boom. And I want you to pray over him and I want you to reassure him with this, of my love, and, and that, that he is in me, he is more than enough, and boom, that's what I want. I want this man leaving out of here encouraged and his shoulders back and vision clear. That's what I want. Okay, that's what God wants. That's his will. And he tells me that I want you to do it. 
If I don't do it, I'm telling you right now, there's like a 99.9% chance that God doesn't get his will that day because God gave me that assignment. It's very rare that God's going to throw a curveball and say, okay, Mark, you didn't do it. Okay, Darren's going to do it. I'm telling you guys, God just, for whatever reason, he doesn't work that way. Because without pain, we don't change. And there's a little bit of pain that comes in knowing that I was called by the Lord to be used in this work. And I, I he showed me what he's up to and I didn't join in. Does this make sense? It is. There's a little bit of pain there. It's like, oh, regret. And the Lord's not going to heal you from that regret. He wants you to feel it. Yes, feel that moment. And next time, obey me. And next time, trust me. Next time, step out in faith. So how does God invite me to be involved with him? Maybe that's what you're asking yourself. And if you are, that's a very good question. How does God invite me to be involved with him? So let's turn in our Bibles to, or our Bible apps to John chapter 5, and we're going to look at the example of Jesus. John five seventeen says this, But Jesus answered them, My Father is working until now, and I am working. Verse 19, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing. Because we see a ton in these three verses. Number one, the Father's been working up till now. The Father has been at work. Number two, now the Father has me working. We see that right away. Jesus saying, the, the Father's been working the whole time, and now he has me at work. Now he's put me to work. Now he's included me in this plan that he's walking out. Three, he says, I do nothing of my own in initiative. The Father gives initiative. The Father shows me what to do. I don't do anything of my own initiative. Four, I watch to see what the Father is already doing. Five, I do what I see the Father already doing. Can we read number four out loud together? I watch to see what the Father is already doing. Let's read number five together too. I do what I see the Father already doing. It's not rocket science. We watch and we join. We watch and we join. Number six, the Father loves me. Number seven, he shows me everything that he's doing. We watch and we join, but we watch and we join after we have come to grips with the fact that the Father loves you. And he sent Jesus to die for you. And that only through Jesus Christ can we have life. And we trust our life in him. And then we start growing in a real, authentic, loving relationship. And then out of that, that basis of that loving, authentic relationship, we have eyes 
to see what the Father's doing. Now, here's the, the jacked up thing, you guys. We're so stinking impatient. And we're so self-centered sometimes. We want the show me and use me before the loving relationship part. And it does not work that way. We grow in relationship with him. How did Jesus know what to do in his father's work? We saw it. The father showed him. How did Jesus respond? He did it. He joined in what the father is doing. Watch and do. There you go. Boom. Watch and do. Why did I even say all this other stuff? This is a short message. Watch and do. Watch and do. Let's pray. What did Jesus do? He watched and joined. It's a radical thing that Jesus says. I do nothing except what I first see the Father doing. That's, that's amazing. I'm sure I've preached a half dozen things here that I didn't hear the Father saying. I just, you know, I'm just flawed and it just popped, maybe not that many, but Jesus did nothing except what he saw the Father doing. And then when he saw the Father doing it, he saw that as the invitation of the Father to join and he joined. Are we catching this? Remember what I said earlier, God's been at work in our world from the very beginning and he's still at work. Jesus even said that. He announced that he didn't come to do his own will. I did not come to do my own will, but I came to do the Father's will. To know the Father's will. Jesus said he watched what the Father's doing. God the Father loved the Son, took the initiative to come to him and reveal what he's doing or what he was about to do. And Jesus continuously looked around him to see what the Father's activity was. And it, it, it really makes you think. The miracles Jesus performed... I mean, he, he performed those because his eyes, his head was on a swivel. He was looking. He was looking to see. And the Lord's like, I'm doing this and I'm doing this. See this guy right here? This guy, man's supposed to dance and leap and sing for joy. Stand up and walk. Take up your mat and walk. With eyes, wash it. Boom, he can see. See this guy right here? This is a free man. This is a free man. But look, he's wearing chains. And, and he's tormented by the enemy. But that's a free man. Jesus is like, I'll set him free then. Be free. Chains come loose. Spirits come out. That's what we're called to do. And let me say this. That's not what we, the pastoral team at Impact Rock, is called to do. This is what we, the royal priesthood of believers, is what God calls us, is what we are called to do. I think that's like an amen. It's like an amen. Like, amen. I'm with you. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Now we have to close in prayer. Huh? I mean, right? So awesome. Friends, remember, God chose to need you. God chooses. He still chooses to need you to accomplish your work. 
So what does the enemy want? The enemy wants you to tell him he's wrong. The enemy wants you to tell God, that's just rude. It's 11 o'clock at night. That's inappropriate, God. Not yet, God. Lord, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. God just wants to use you. The revelation of where the Father is working is your what? Your invitation. The revelation, the Holy Spirit revealing what God is doing, that is your invitation. You're not going to get another one. I knew I was supposed to transfer to Oral Roberts University. I knew that when I was playing college football, that I was not living for the Lord. And that at that time, I lacked the maturity to serve the Lord and play football. So I knew I had to give up football. But I wanted confirmation that this is what God wanted, even though I knew, even though I knew in my heart. How did I know? Well, the art scholarship, first of all, got an art scholarship for a school that I had no intention on going to. That chaplain who, who I ran into, he's like, hey, I, I believe I have a word for you. The, the Lord says he, he's got something new for you and you know what it is, and so just trust him. That's a pretty good indicator. But I went to the beach in Torrance, Redondo Beach. I don't remember exactly which leg of the beach it was, and I'm... I'm sitting there, sitting in the sand at night, looking for a shooting star, looking for a unicorn dolphin, looking for a, looking for like free willy. I'm looking for something, right? Lord, an orca, an orca doing a backflip. That's all I need, Lord, and then I'll, then I'll know it's you. I'm serious. And I'm just moving sand, and I'm frustrated, and, and the Lord just tells me, just stop, just stop. That was his response. It wasn't, have called you. It's just stop. You're digging a hole. Just trust me and believe and go. And I needed that, that frank response from the Lord because I'd mentioned that I, I wasn't very mature at that point. And I didn't have a very mature relationship with God at that point either. I didn't spend time with him. I didn't seek him. I didn't seek his will. I, I sought my will. Friday night, it's my will. Boom, 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 boom. This is what I want to be accomplished. Go get drunk or go get in a brawl. Go do whatever. Go show your manhood. Go prove that, that you're of some sort of worth by getting drunk and getting in a fight. And the Lord had plans to give me a new name and to give me a new future and a new calling. And so it was at that point when I said yes to him and I transferred to Oral Roberts University, that I started growing in the Lord and I started nurturing a relationship with the Lord and it, didn't, and it wasn't religious, it was relationship. And friends, I'm telling you right now, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord that's real and genuine and authentic, and what are you waiting on? Because that's, that's where it starts. You want to be used by God? Lord, I just want to be used by you. He's like, I just want you to know me. Lord, I want to do mighty things for you. He's like, I just want 
you have to spend 20 uninterrupted minutes with me. Guys, is it possible for God to be working around you and you not see it? Is it possible for God to be at work around you and you miss it? Absolutely. Yeah. Love this. Love this scripture from 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. When the servant of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And this wasn't an army of friends. This was an army of enemies coming for destruction. And the servant said, Alas, my master, oh crud, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And then Elisha prayed and said, O oh Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Sometimes we just don't have eyes to see. Only when God opened the eyes of the servant did he see. Do you want to see? It starts with that relationship. You got that relationship? Then, then God handles the next thing. He takes the initiative in showing you what he's up to. And then when you see that, that's your invitation. Unless, unless God allows you and I to see, we're not going to see it. But when he wills it, for us to see his activity, we see it and then we're supposed to respond. I want to close with three prayers. These are just powerful. These are found uh, this first one from Proverbs 22. God speaks this over you. Proverbs 23, 26, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Give me your heart. And then let your eyes observe my ways. The order matters. Not mixing it up matters. This one we pray over each other just as Paul prayed this over, over the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 1.18. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Awesome. He's called you. I pray that you have eyes to see. We need to pray this over one another. I pray that this church has eyes to see the ways that God wants to use us, how he sees us, who we are, the the impact we're supposed to make for him. This one's just phenomenal. John 17. You guys... You'll have to read this again and unpack this. But this is just ridiculous. So awesome. John 17, verse 20. Jesus says, I'm praying not only for these disciples. And he was with his disciples. This is before they were heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus' betrayal, okay? So he's saying, 
talking to God, saying, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe. So he's actually praying for us. For all who will ever believe in me through what? Through their message. This is, this is unbelievable. Jesus is praying for all those who will come, who will come to him because of the message of his followers and disciples. What's their message? Their message is, is about what hadn't even taken place yet. Jesus hadn't yet been arrested. Jesus hadn't yet been, been betrayed. He hadn't yet been tortured. He hadn't yet been faced false accusation. He hadn't yet been nailed to a cross. He hadn't yet died. He hadn't yet been put in a borrowed tomb. And he hadn't yet emerged on the third day victorious. None of that had taken place. But he says, I pray for those who are going to hear the story told by these followers and they're going to come to know me. So yeah, Father, I pray for them. How amazing is that? I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me. So let me stop. He just got done saying this, right? This is repetitive. So the world will know that, that, that you've sent me. But then he goes one step further. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. This is it, friends. God loves us. The Father loves us as much as he loved his only begotten son. And the goal and the plan of God is that the world would see it, that we are loved and favored. Father, I want that these whom you've given me to be with me where I am. Where was Jesus at? Where was Jesus at? He's saying, Lord, Father, I want them to be with me where I am. Where, where's he at? He's at this place of unbelievable love. Where he knows that he is fully loved and it's so consuming. There's, there's, there's peace and there's joy and there's strength. And he knows what's next. And he knows he is fully loved by the Father. And he's sitting there praying for us that they would know that they're fully loved by the Father, that we are one, that I'm in you and you're in me, and he's super redundant, wonderfully redundant. And then he says, and the world needs to know. God chose to need you. And there's a world that still needs to know. God chose to need me. just we ask you to help us Lord first we ask you to help us in this place of of loving relationship with you Lord that, that's our desire we want, we want it too Lord we agree with you in this we just don't always know how to get there and we don't always have eyes to see your love and your power and your grace and your patience and your presence so Lord 
Help us with this. Capture our hearts, Lord, so that we can love you fully. Then, Lord, we ask you to give us eyes to see what you're up to. Give us eyes to see your activity. And then, Lord, give us courage to respond to your invitation, to not try and talk ourselves out of it, but to to grab a hold of that invitation of revelation and to respond to you in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So much to go through in that John 17, you guys. Such a, I mean, so powerful. So, I want to throw out a challenge. And it's not too much, okay? There's some people in our lives that they, the harvest is there. We just haven't had eyes to see. As we leave this place today, I want us to ask the Lord, Lord, give me eyes to see what you're already doing. Lord, I can't do anything. I can't save anybody. I can't, I can't do that. I'm not the Savior. But Lord, give me eyes to see your activity, what you're up to. And then jump in and say yes to that invitation and respond. And next week we're baptizing folks, which here's what it tells me. I think God wants to save some folks this week. He wants to save some teenagers this week, young people. And he's already been doing the work. You've just been looking at other things and maybe you haven't quite seen it, but maybe he's going to give you eyes to see what he's up to. And if so, respond in faith. And that response could be, hey, I don't know what it is, but God loves you and he wants you to give his life and I don't even know how, if we're supposed to pray, but do you believe that? Are you, I mean, fumble through it. I don't care. The Holy Spirit's bigger than our lack. have never been baptized, I'm going to say this quickly and I'm going to say this kindly because I get so fired up. Let's say you've been like like Michelle, she said, I was saved for years and didn't get baptized until I was an adult. If you haven't been baptized, Jesus gave the command to be baptized, not the request, not the suggestion. Believe in me, be baptized. So if you haven't been baptized, see me after church, let's we're going to have a hot tub set right up. I'm, I'm, it's a blow-up hot tub. It's like 90 degrees. It's gorgeous. I'll get baptized again if no one else is getting baptized. It's going to be wonderful. Um, but see me if you haven't been baptized. And and let's look for the activity of the Lord around us, okay? I'll leave us with this blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Have an amazing day. See you guys next week.